Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, I certainly am because I get two days off of work. Coming up uh, Wednesday and Thursday, which is always a welcomed vacation from uh, from 12-hour shifts. But uh, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. We'll start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLapsThe.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get awesome uh, gear, Hand-drawn gear and, and custom gear uh, at 10% discount by using BTC at checkout. I'm not wearing Break the Cycle tonight. I'm wearing the physical removal shirt from Hoppian.org uh, that I meant to wear when I did the show with uh, with uh, Jared from Hoppian.org, but I couldn't find it at the time because we have seven kids, so we lose shit uh, all the time. And, of course, executive producer of the show, AnthemPlanning.com. Uh, Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. Uh, they're doing a wonderful job that the government has uh, sucked at historically for a long time, much cheaper and much more efficiently. Uh, emergency and crisis planning. Amazing people. I will have a new ad for them uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, since I'm off work, I got some time to work on things, uh, including editing my fiance's content now that she's starting a, a YouTube channel. So if you guys are, uh, you know, crunchy organic moms or you uh, have crunchy organic mom wives or girlfriends, uh, make sure to send them towards Julia and Elisa's channel because it's going to be right up their alley in content, I promise. Um, but guys, we got a really nice sh- uh, show for you tonight. Uh, my friend, she is a mom, homeschooling mom, contractor for the Mises uh, Institute. She is Mrs. Mrs. Is it Mrs. Miss? I don't even know. I don't even know how you're supposed to do that anymore. We'll just go with Natalie. Nat- yeah. yeah, we'll just go with Natalie. Danelishan, right? Did I say it right? I always mess yeah, that one up. You said that right. All right. Yeah, score yeah. points for me. Uh, so how you doing? How you been? How are you tonight? Oh, you know, I can't complain. I can't complain at all. Why don't we start off with your story? A lot of people follow you. You just hit 30,000 Twitter uh, followers, which is wi- it's wild. I mean, that's that's a hard feat. That's 30,000 people. I, I mean, some of them are probably bots. I mean, that's how it works. I got some too, but 30,000 people following you. That's wild. But what's your story? How did you get here? How did you become this, you know, Mises-inspired libertarian or, or whatever you whatever we're calling ourselves these days? I don't know. How did, how did, what was your journey? It, it always starts with Ron Paul with most people, right? Sure. That's how it started with me. It was it was actually back in like 2005 when I found Ron Paul. And um, then he started to run in 2007. And uh, I was part of the 2008, you know, campaigning for Ron Paul. And uh, I did the 2012 as well. But in, uh, I think it was about 2005, I started reading Mises Institute books. And it kind of took off from there, and I got into Austrian economics along the way, and you know, Ron Paul showed me that way. And um, yeah, I actually I worked for the Mises Institute at the building uh, from 2008 to 2010, and then I left the Mises Institute, and I was rehired in 2014 as a contractor um, doing graphics and stuff. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride with all of that stuff over the years. So I, I mean. It's been fun to get to you know meet Ron Paul and 
I just met Rand Paul this year, and I'm, a, I'm hopefully going to be seeing Thomas Massey this week. So, I mean, it's, it's all these people that have inspired me over the years. And, you know, and Lou Rockwell, God, I can't thank that guy enough. I love him uh, just for, you know, creating the Macy's Institute and everything. And so all these people have helped me over the years. And actually, you can see them behind me. Oh, I yeah. them all up on my wall. I see Jeff Deist up there. I see Hans Hermann Hoppe. I see Ron yeah, Paul there's Hoffa, and Ron Paul Carroll. Carroll, yeah. yeah. I'm a big Walter Block fan. He's probably. I don't talk about Walter enough, and uh, I'm trying to get Walter on the show, um, but he's such a boomer when it comes to emails. I sent him. I sent him an email. So like, I, so like in 2017, I reached out to to Walter Block. I had interviewed him once for Think Liberty. I reached out to him to get an endorsement for chair of the of the Libertarian Party. And uh, he sent me a really nice endorsement, a little word blurb. He's always been, he's just like a really nice guy. I don't know. I don't know. He's if, a sweetheart. He's like yeah. one of the nicest guys. Um, so when I went to email him to get him on the show, because I know he doesn't have any social media or anything, I went to email him to get him on the show. I just went back to the thread that I had with his email in it and I sent it to him and he sent me another endorsement four years later because he thought mm-hmm. I was resetting him the endorsement. The endorsement. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, I love you, Walter. You're the man. But he's also got he one of those. He's just turned 80. That's he's wild. He's sharp for 80. Oh, very. I mean, I'm, I'm that, I like at 80 I want to be that sharp but like really fit but that's right. what I'm hoping yeah yeah <laughs> I I I'm I have given up on the fit uh train mostly I do I would like to get back into the gym just for my mental sanity sanity but yeah. I'm I'm a, a dad of seven you know it's I don't got a lot of time yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a mom of three and I have uh two teenagers and a toddler so it, it's a lot I know I know how that goes and I homeschool them as well so that's sure. crazy so it's like I, I never have time to sleep let alone work out but I'm, I'm trying to fit it in now I'm being a good girl I lost a bunch of weight because I caught COVID so it's like I need to keep that off and get skinnier sure yeah yeah you, <laughs> that's you, my goal. well you've been very very outspoken huh go ahead no you go ahead you go I, I was gonna say yeah I'm very tall for a girl so it's kind of like not many people know how much I actually weigh so it helps how I tall guess. how tall are you go ahead I'm five eight. Oh yeah. So and I wear I wear high heels all the time, so it's like I'm five eleven. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I'm I'm yeah. six two and a half. I throw the half in there, but I think I've probably shrank that half now that I'm getting close to forty. You know, I think like the half yeah. is coming back off. But I used to be close to six three. It was really nice. Um, but yeah, you 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 were pretty. You've been really outspoken on the COVID thing, uh, as as any good Mises uh, person would be or should be. Yeah. The- uh, the Mises Institute was a hundred percent solid on that. I have to, I have to give that to them. The whole staff, they kept events going throughout the year. You know, they didn't require masks uh, at events, you know, and they're, they're not so much anti-vaccine, but they're anti-vaccine mandates. So people should still be able to, you know, have a choice, get it, don't get it, just don't mandate it, true. you know? So that that's something that I loved about them as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but, um, you know, thankfully they're not Cato, but so, oops, sorry for the jab. No, but uh, but you were really outspoken against the the COVID mandates and and just the all around tyranny that they've been throwing at us for the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, and then you just recently caught COVID, and it was I did. You're yeah. pretty open it, about it. Was horrible. It. Yeah. What was that it like? Was horrible. Yeah. Um. I I was in the hospital twice. Um. I had to get um fluids. I had to get antibiotics. I had to get steroids. I had to get an inhaler. I'm still actually using the inhaler, and I'm still taking um, zinc and vitamin D every day, um, large amounts of vitamin D every week. I'm taking like 100,000 uh, IU vitamin D just to keep it going. I actually did just pick up a virus bug as well, and I had a 
UTI. So it's been like one after the other. I I, one thing after the other, and I'm just like, I'm ready for my body to just be healthy now. Yeah, Um, I feel you. I do know. I mean, I do know that it's because I am overweight that I had major issues with COVID, and that's why I'm kind of like, you know, if if they didn't push so much the vaccines and you know the free donuts with the fucking vaccines, excuse me, which I don't know if I can. Oh, totally fine. But. You know, if they stopped pushing the free donuts and shit, then everybody would start to get healthy. You know, that that's that's what we need to do. Get people healthy instead of, you know, pushing a fix for one thing after the other. Now, I'm immune compromised. Um, I was born with it. It's genetic. I'm functioning with half a kidney. I don't have a gallbladder. So I know I, I knew I would get COVID bad, but I still spoke out against, you know, these measures because it's tyranny. True. Straight up tyranny, what what they're doing, especially in Australia right now. I mean, but we're looking at Australia and people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so horrible. But if you look at what happened, you know, to us a year ago, it was pretty much the same thing. People were getting locked up in hotels if they had COVID. You know, we were locked in our homes. We couldn't go to the grocery store. We had to follow, you know, arrows in the grocery store like cattle. So, you know, we, we had that. And. Now people are looking at Australia and it's like, oh, that's horrible. Well, you know, we had that a year ago. Right. So, you know, and, and they can do this again. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's the ratchet effect. The government takes a little bit of your freedom away and, you know, they promise to give some back, but they never do. They just keep ratcheting it up. So, you know, eventually we'll be under a dictatorship. That is my opinion on it. I I, so, I would argue that we are already under a dictatorship. Um but yeah, I think that you know Tom Tom Woods had a, a, around the same. We still thing. have the illusion of voting. Yeah. So I don't know if it's quite there. The illusion. The illusion. The illusion. Exactly. But don't don't say that on YouTube because they might kick you off. You know. No. Um, but yeah, yeah t- Tom Tom had a, quite quite the same experience. I think he had it pretty bad, and uh, he, you know it was it was funny because I'm I'm in that fakertarians group um, on Facebook with all the shitty you know regime libertarians and the blue pills and the and all these losers and and uh and it was like they were celebrating it like he was gonna die first of all yeah and um they kept saying you know well if he doesn't die i i I hope he comes out of the hospital you know with a new lease on this stuff and isn't you know blah 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 and the second tom was ready to talk about it he opened up and said listen Yes, I had COVID really bad. No, I don't. I don't agree with your stupid fucking mandates and all this bullshit. And and uh, he he um, immediately came back out like, uh, you know, swinging. And that's that's why we that's, that's why we like to, the Mises yeah. Con, the Mises Institute. Yeah, that's what you have to do. I mean, I had death threats. I had people hoping I would get COVID and die. I had some one person say I should be killed for making a you know a Twitter post. Because uh, it was that big lady with the McDonald's bag and she's like, put on a mask for your health. That, that I posted that and I got so much hate for it. My inbox was full. And people were like, do you want to kill your grandma? Blah, blah, blah. Well, my grandma actually did catch COVID. She did die. And um, she was already dying of cancer, though. True. And I think there's a lot of people who don't understand that life is a cycle. You're, you're not going to live forever. Right. You're not. And I understood that. Um, and I was actually, when, when my grandma was passing this year, I was basically, it was early, early this year. Um, I was one of the lucky ones who actually got to hold my grandma's hand while she was passing. I got three days with my grandma after not seeing her for a full year before that. Sure. So, 
um, that was rough though, hearing that because there, there were a lot of people who never, they didn't get to, you know, be with their loved one as they were dying. And, you know, I don't understand that really. People should be able to make that choice to, you know, take that risk. And that that's basically with everything in life. You should be able to take the risks to go into a store without a mask. You should be able to take the risk to go see your loved one as they're dying. You know, um, doctors shouldn't be making those choices. CDC should not be making those choices. The government should not be making those choices. It should be up to the individual. And um, I will say, though, that it was like heart wrenching because it's like we lost our humanity last year. Right. You know, basically in and when you can't hold your loved one's hand as they're dying, what kind of world are you living in? Sure. <laughs> you know, and that that was that was that was interesting for me to live through. Yeah, it's, uh, and uh, it's, it's weird. We're living in weird times, aren't we? Yeah, it's like it's like uh, half the country read nineteen or uh, George Orwell, sorry, and uh, <laughs> Orwell. De- and decided that's that's how society should be, not not as a warning well, about what know, society shouldn't be. Yeah, they're like, oh, this sounds good. Let's do it. And it's like uh, nineteen eighty four mixed with idiocracy, in my opinion. I don't know if you've ever seen and Bubble Boy. Have you seen Bubble Boy? All three of them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like those three movies pushed together into one real life version you know it's like the truman show i'm wondering if there are cameras somewhere because it's just ridiculous to even believe they're watching the simulation Um, for sure they are are like are we in the matrix you know we could be yeah but i mean it's just really odd like i've never i mean i I lived through 9 11 i don't know how old how old were you during 9 11 i know you're a bit older than me i was 18 i joined the military right after like literally months after 9 11 so yeah, you joined the military. I was only 14, 15 when 9-11 happened. And I remember I was, you know, pro-war at first. And then I became anti-war because I'm like, this is just dragging on. And then, you know, I found Ron Paul and I would, I've just been strictly anti-war after that. But, you know, you see what's happening with the you know, TSA and TSA is still there. Uh, that the war in Afghanistan ended. We still have the Patriot Act. We still have the TSA. So now that people are looking at COVID, it's like, are you are you, you really believe that they're gonna you know give any of this power back if you just look at the TSA, you know they're not, and, yeah. and that's a big thing that a lot of people don't understand. And yeah. they really need to start understanding. Yeah, they'll never give it back, and and that's you know I've been really outspoken about that. I I made a post on Twitter talking about okay, war Afghanistan's over, can we end the Patriot Act now? And everyone's just laughing because we know we always knew. I mean libertarians, no, and yeah, libertarians. Especially libertarians or for any freedom-based ideology was like, as soon as the Patriot Act, Act uh, got instated, we all knew like that wasn't ever going away. Yeah. Why would they? Why would they get rid of that? And they they conditioned us over a period of twenty years to think that you know the TSA's just always been there. Like I remember when I was I was uh, I think I was nine or ten. I went to go live with my aunt and uncle in Georgia for a little bit, and I flew from California, and uh, my mom walked me right up to the terminal, put me right on the plane, came right back out, and went home. I flew by myself, but she was able to walk all through the terminals. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. know this. You could walk through the terminals at an airport. You just walk in and get on your flight. For years and years. I mean, for decades yeah. and decades and decades. It was decades. fine. And then fine. 9-11 happened and you couldn't do that anymore. And now you, you get, you know, inappropriately touched at the, at the airport every time yeah. you go there. 
It's wild. I, I'm actually just trying to, I, I just got a new car and I'm just going to start driving everywhere because I, I, I can't stand the airport anymore. I can't. You know, it's it's like Biden just gave a tanks to the Taliban and you're worried about my shoes at the fucking airport. Right. What's wrong with you people? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, hello, you're letting people in unvetted and it, it's just like open season. So what are they thinking? And it, it, it's the Americans that, you know, are basically having their freedom stripped away one by one. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. Need to fight that if they're yeah. not. Yeah, it's not it's not like uh it's not like we're like, all right, you know what, we're gonna take all the Afghan freedom. It's like, no, we're gonna take yeah. your freedom. We're gonna take your, freedom. your freedoms. And we're gonna give them tanks and helicopters and I want a black hawk. Did you see they got like three black hawks? I don't I want, want a black hawk at all. I know that the Afghan uh the Taliban has a, their own air force now, by the way, but have you seen the videos yeah. of them flying? They're not they're not gonna make no. it very long. They're not gonna make it very they're long. Not, not no, good. and 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 I don't think people understand black black hawks are like the most downed aircraft in the American military. Uh and so um if if anybody's worried about them having black hawks, don't don't fret. They're not going to have them long. I promise you. There's a whole movie about Blackhawks going down. You guys understand this, right? Uh, yeah. You got a helicopter on your shirt, too. Yeah. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. I don't, I don't know if that's a Blackhawk, though. That's that's just like a no. some kind of Greyhound or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the Afghan war a little bit. I mean, you know, what's what's been your take on everything that's going on? Uh, Afghanistan needed to end. It really did. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing conservatives and libertarians and, oh, you know, this pullout was horrible, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, like the last 20 years were horrible and they were badly managed. Um, so is the pullout. It's something we should have expected all along, honestly. And, um, you know, it could have been better. That's what she said. You know, sorry, go ahead. Government. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, yeah, I, I had to do it. I had to do it. Been better. That's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had this, some of those moments in my life. That's why I have three kids. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it definitely, it definitely could have been better, and um, but it needed to end as well. Sure. Uh, but a lot of people don't understand too that we're still over there. We're surrounding those areas. We have bases everywhere. And a lot of people are like, well, we ended one war. Well, you know what? It's just for, for politicians, it's a chessboard. They're going to take, you know, one piece and move it someplace else and reposition themselves. Oh, no, you know, always that's have. just how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, we're just going to consistently be in these countries over and over again. I forget how many bases we have. Do you know how many 120, bases we have right now? I think it's 124 now or something like that. Like 100. And, yeah, it's up there. Yeah. It's way up there. So it's like we're everywhere. You know, I I totally see as the economy starts crashing again, I actually think that we will start another war just so, you know, the Fed and Bernanke and all all those people that are just covering their backs in the end. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's what they that's how they stimulate the economy. I mean, that's really their their whole like if you take Henry Hazlitt's like broken window fallacy stuff to its logical conclusion, starting wars is the broken window. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're exactly. creating they're creating jobs in the military industrial complex by starting all these wars all the time. I mean, there's tons of other reasons why we're in stupid wars over here. I mean, you know, and oh, no, yeah. and none of them none of them are for your liberty or freedom. No. It's for profiteering basically. You know, that that's what it is. I mean, it's so somebody could buy another mansion in the Potomac. That that's definitely what it is. I actually used to work in the Potomac. I used to be a chef. 
fun little fact about me. Most people don't know that. But I used to work in the Potomac, and oh my god, those houses are huge. And I didn't really understand like who could be living in those houses. And then I learned it's mostly government contracting sure. and contractors, and it's all about war and all that jazz. So it it was it was crazy for me at the time to wrap my head around. But it's just that that's basically what it is, and it's a racket. You know, well, who was that? Who said that? Smedley Butler. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it? A racket. Yeah. yeah, war's a racket. I well, and here's the thing: like, you know, they prey on these young kids, right? Like, I was, I was just turned eighteen. You know, right after nine eleven, joined the military, took off. I was gonna go and fight the evil terrorists that had attacked my countrymen, and uh, within the first, you know, year I was in the military, I was at war. I mean, within the first six months, I was in the middle of the. I wasn't okay. I wasn't a grunt. I wasn't, a, you know, I didn't go and fight on the ground or anything. I was on the USS Constellation, and we were just bombing the shit out of Iraq. I mean, that, the shock and awe campaign, that was a big part of that. The biggest part of that was my battle group, my carrier. Our, our birds from our deck were leaving, coming back empty all day long. I mean, all day long. Um, and, uh, you know, I just remember my first thought at, as a 18, 19-year-old kid was, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq, first of all? Right. I was like, didn't we fight a war in Iraq when I was like six? You know, what the hell's going on here? You know, why are we fighting in Iraq? Nine eleven just happened. Are are the are the Taliban here? Is that why they're is that what you know, it was like I had all these questions and I started getting them answered while I was there and then on the way home and then when I got back I found Ron Paul. And that was I mean, that's a window you can't close, right? The Ron Paul window. I mean, you look at there's a whole generation of people with the same story as me because of Ron Paul opening a window that the, you, you once you crawl, climb through it, you can't turn around and shut the window because you already know what's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I I, de- I definitely know there were a lot of veterans for Ron Paul. My kid's dad, um, he's 6 years older than me. And he served in the United States Air Force for 8 years. So, um I definitely know that there were a lot of veterans because back in like 2008, we were in those veterans for Ron Paul circles. So, yeah, I mean, definitely Ron Paul, I, I, you know, I don't understand it. Wasn't he bashed for something around that time? Like, or somebody was trying to point out that the veterans were for Ron Paul and somebody was like, no, they're not. They want to continue the wars, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Ron Paul was. It was some hogwash. But he had like the most. He had the most veteran support. And donors, yes. Any, individual donors, donors yeah. 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 Individual well, donors, I remember that. Well, yeah. he was he was bashed for all kinds of shit, because let's be honest, he was a threat to the establishment. He was a threat to the military-industrial mm-hmm. complex. He was a threat to the Federal Reserve. He was a threat to the media. He was a threat to all of the people that are bad in this country. I mean, literally, you know, and so when I see people knocking Ron Paul for dumb shit, the newsletters, or whatever the fuck it is that you're you're bashing Ron Paul for, all I can think about is, do you realize the scope of the people who hated Ron Paul and why they hated Ron Paul? They hated Ron Paul because he was a threat to everything that you hate and that is wrong with this country, and you're bashing him for some newsletters that he didn't even write? What's wrong yeah, with you? Oh, I know. I know. I know who wrote them. And I've said it on the show a few times. So, I mean, it's all, it's all speculation, but. Oh, it's not, it's not speculation on my end. Sure. Sure. (laughs) um, He definitely didn't write them. And, you know, when it comes to Ron Paul, I think he knew when he was running for president that he wasn't going to win. 
I think he knew that. And I, I can't I can't say for sure, but I, I mean, I, I really wanted him to win. But, you know, Ron Paul was doing something else with his campaign. He was teaching people. He was teaching people about the Federal Reserve. He was teaching people about the wars. He was teaching people about the debt. And that is something that I think that is missing a little bit, you know, besides like people like the Mises Institute or the Mises Caucus and people like that who are trying to get the message of like abolishing the Fed out there or trying to get people to read economics in one lesson, all these different things. It was actually Ron Paul that got me to pick up um, human action. I don't have it with me, but um, yeah, it's too, it's too heavy to carry around with you. (laughs) Yeah, it's too heavy. Well, there's a pocket addiction edition, you know, there's a little pocket edition. You can order it's $10. Go order it on Mises.org. Nice. But um, I have, I have this big old blue one. It's bulky, but um. I love it. And it was highlighted, but you know, it was Ron Paul who really got me going and seeing a better way. And I don't think, you know, there's many like LOL Burt's like, you know, reason magazine or whatever, who want to just bash Ron Paul. And it's like, you wouldn't be here without Ron Paul. You you know, you guys would be a blip in in the internet, you know, circle. Same with Lou Rockwell. Lou Rockwell has helped so many organizations and he doesn't get the credit he deserves in my opinion. So, yeah, so it's like these guys have basically lifted up libertarians throughout, you know, conservative circles and, you know, progressive circles and everything. So it's like, give them the credit, man, sure. <laughs> because I they pushed back. I think none of them would really be what they are without Rothbard. I mean, even the Cato Institute wouldn't yeah. be what it is without Rothbard. And we know oh, that because yeah. he used to be around we them know parts. That. Yeah. He, he wasn't just around Cato. He was one of the founders. Right. He was also Cato. one of the founders of the Libertarian so, Party, if you can believe that. Yeah. So, you know. So, I mean, I mean the, the guy was just amazing. And, and, you know, they call him Mr. Libertarian, and I can see why. I, I have tried to read a lot of Rothbard, but I have come to the conclusion that I can never read all of Rothbard. I mean, I'm 34 so, now. There's so I'm much. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down. Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. 35. There's just so much. Like, it's going to take my lifetime. Um, Patrick Newman is actually doing amazing stuff with Rothbard right now. He's he's writing a book and, uh, oh no, he just finished a book and he um, he's working on another one, but he had to take... I, I saw Rothbard's writing for the first time when I was at the Mises Institute, and it is astounding what Patrick was able to do because he had to go through and figure out not only Rothbard's handwriting, but Rothbard also wrote in shorthand. I don't know if you know what shorthand right, is, yep. but it's just like lines and dots and squiggles. So he had to, he had to translate all of that, and he did he did amazing. Nice. So I'm like. I, I, I just don't know how he did it, though. But, you know, Rothbard, it was just like, did he sleep? I don't, th- I don't know. It, I, don't I don't think he did. Or he's, if he was, he was writing in his dreams and then waking up and writing what he what he dreamt about. Because I mean, the guy, the guy just constantly was writing. I mean, he, I don't think anybody's got as many academics. When he, works. Was, when he wasn't writing, he did the, he did the Rothbard circles. Have you ever heard about those? Yes. 
where he had like people come to his house and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh. I mean, I mean, technically, that's how the Libertarian Party started. You know, it was just the Rothbard Circle, really, in a in a living yeah. room, a living room in in Colorado. <laughs> I, I was just I was just a baby when Rothbard passed. He, he passed, I think it was 1993. Yeah, he passed. Yeah. It was either 93 or 96. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to meet him. I'm so jealous of everybody. That yeah, that's one of that's one of the that, ones like, that if I could go back and meet one person, I'd probably be the man that I'd meet. Uh, just because God, his that's laugh, fun. his laugh was infectious. Laugh alone. Yeah, yeah, would have been great. If you've ever heard, if you ever heard Patrick Newman's laugh too, it's just like Rothbard. So it's like those two. I don't know. Past life or something, I don't know. But he uh, sounds like Rothbard. Uh, I want to, I want to shout out some of these super chats. Nick Ashley, five dollars super chat, man. Thanks a lot. He said, "Met Natalie at y'all, absolute sweetheart, and she even seemed humble and grateful to meet even little old me. Great lady." Uh, State of dissidents, five dollars super chat. Thanks, man. He said, "I'm now a break the cycle stonk member and Mises Caucus donor. Let's do this. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that yeah. for supporting the show. Uh, if you know, if you if you know, there's two levels to membership on my channel. Uh, one of them six bucks a month. That'll get you into all the membership stuff. If you pay the twenty dollars a month, I'll collaborate on videos and stuff with you. So uh, hit me up if you want to do some collabs, bro. Um, Joshua Bond, five dollars, sure too. Thanks, brother. Uh, Trey Daniel, five uh, ten dollars super chat. Thanks, man. He said more free burgers and donuts for." for COVID jabs. It's for your health. Yes. Um, this one, I don't understand this one, so maybe you will. Uh, F. Cooper Ad Adamo. Adamo. Did I ever say that? $5 super chat. He says, I love good, I love a good butter and peppered corn on the cob. That is hot stuff. You can get that at a number of different places. What say you, Natalie? Do you know, do you know anything about that? Is that something that you know? I, I know about that. That was a TikTok video I did. Oh. I was eating corn on the cob. Not the appropriate way. Oh, geez. It's not the traditional way, but I'm from Ohio. There's cornfields everywhere. You learn different ways to eat corn on the cob. I'm sorry. It's not the traditional not, way. <laughs> it's not the traditional way. I, I mean, do I do anything traditional? I'm a weird girl. I just am. I'm just... Now you're from Ohio. You eat the chocolate chili, right? So... What? You eat the chocolate chili. You're from Ohio, right? I do not put chocolate in my chili. That's, we're not, we're not... that's a big thing in Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I'm from Cleveland. So. Oh, a little different from the town. You're from the town. I get it. Hey, I actually I, like Skyline. I like Skyline. I'm not going to lie. I do like Skyline. Well, I, I'm born and raised Cleveland, so I grew up here. So I'm a diehard Browns fan. I'm sorry Oof. to anybody else. I'm sorry not. for you. You're a Browns fan. I know. But, you know, we have Ohio State, too, and they're not so bad. Yeah, they're and pretty good. We have the, the Indians who are now the Guardians, who I'm just going to keep calling the Indians because fuck cancel culture. Yeah, it's so weird. And, but it whatever. is the name does make sense as stupid. Some people are like, why would they call themselves the Guardians? But they have the big Guardian statues in Cleveland. Yes, our Guardian statues. Yeah. That That's what people don't get. We have these huge, giant, like, I think they were made in the 1920s, Guardian statues. I love 1920 architecture. I don't know if anybody else They're does, really cool, yeah. It's really cool, and it, I love it. So, I mean, we have the Guardians, and I get why they call themselves that, but no diehard, born and raised Cleveland, Ohio person is ever going to call them the Guardians. Yep. They're going to be the Indians. Well, I grew up in, you in know, I grew uh, up in Oakland. It's really hard to see the Raiders as the uh, the the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not a Raider fan, but it's still hard to see for me. Yeah, I I can't stand this cancel culture BS, and you know they're taking away statues and everything and. What else are they doing? Oh, you know, they call me a Nazi all the time. That's how I got the Aryan Barbie. Aryan Barbie. Stuff. That's your nickname, yeah. 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 Yeah, you know how I got that? It uh -uh. was because I said, you know, pretty soon they're going to start mandating vaccines. 
and um, they're going to mandate vaccines. And, you know, I, I put it through a step and then I put like um, a star with vaccinated on a thing and it went viral and people were calling my job and so many people were upset and mad at me. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the post down. But, you know, six months later, I was totally right because they're trying to have vaccine passports. And I'm like, see, yeah. you know, usually I make a post and it comes true. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop posting. Well, I started, I was talking about <laughs> vaccine passports over a year ago. And uh, yeah. I wasn't saying passports. I was saying other shit. I'm, I'm sure it was kind of a little crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Alex Jones sometimes. You know what I mean? Like the things I talk about, I take them way too far. But there's some real truth behind them. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, and so I was talking about them like a year ago. And people were calling me a conspiracy theorist, and so uh, you know, I got yeah, your conspiracy. Yeah, calling me a conspiracy theorist, hoping I get COVID and die. Well, you know what? I got COVID and I didn't die. Oh, rough. So, Unfortunate for them. I know. Well, you, you and ninety nine point nine eight percent of everybody who got it. You know. Yeah, I was a little worried about it too. I, you know, I've been a smoker for 20 years and I'm a little, I'm a little hefty myself. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we all had it a couple months back and everybody's fine. Everybody's just fine. So, um, yeah, all my kids had it Yeah, and they all lived. My, my parents also got it the same time we did. And actually though, my dad did struggle a lot. He had it for, he was in the hospital for nine days. Oof. And we were worried about blood clots and everything. But, you know, eventually he got over it. But, you know, the thing with my dad, too, is he just had major surgery when he caught COVID. He had a knee replacement. So his immune system was already Heart down. Jacked, yeah. So, yeah, so that that's a lot of things that they just don't talk about is the immune system. Like, can we talk about natural immunity for a second? Yeah, we should. But, like, why are we ignoring natural immunity? Why? Well, I'll never, I'll never forget six, in my opinion. six months ago, the CDC took the natural immunity portion off their website. Yeah. Why aren't we checking out T cells? Why aren't we checking out antibodies before people get more vaccinations? I actually talked to my immune doctor and I asked, you know, should I get the shot? Even though I'm anti, I'm actually anti-vaccination. Um, that's just my personal beliefs when it comes to me. But, you know, I said, do I get it? Do I not? Should I be worried? And she said, you know, you already got COVID. You have antibodies. You know, I have the the the, the response that showed up in my blood work. True. So it's like, why get the vaccination? Why? What's the point? Um, there's no point. Well, yeah. No, you got to get all um, three. You got to get all three shots, or the woke mob will come after you. Yeah. Now you have three or a booster or whatever. But are, I don't know if they're recommending that for everybody. Are they? I I don't know. I really don't know. I I, ju- I read that uh, that Israel is. This is just like the it. flu shot. The flu shot never worked for me. I've never seen anybody have to get flu. three flu shots in one year. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that. I I I I remember it was like two flu shots one year, but I mean, every time I got the flu shot, I got the flu. Yeah. So you know, and people were getting COVID with the COVID shot. You know what's funny? Shocker. I almost died from a flu. If you can believe that in, in my twenties, yeah, I got H one N one. I got the the swine flu. I think it was two thousand and nine. No, it's two thousand eight. It was because I remember it was it was right around maybe it was two thousand nine. It was right around the time Obama got elected, and we had the H one N one breakout. And you know they didn't shut down the economy. They didn't do any of this shit, and it was killing tons of people. It wasn't like you know what I mean. The flu season. If you look at the flu season for for that year that we had that you know epidemic or whatever they want to call it. It was bad. There was a lot of people dying. And I was a, like a healthy 20, like young 20s. Um, and uh, 
I I was in the hospital. I was like hallucinating. I had terrible like 103, 104 degree fever. It was really bad. And uh, my mom, I I don't know if she's in the chat or or what, but she had to take me to the hospital one one of the days. And it was uh, it was really bad. And and, you know, I didn't go around and telling everybody, hey, you need to go and get a flu shot after that. You know, like I I didn't do that. (laughs) It's like, you know, life happens and sickness happens and we need to be. I don't know. I've had so many horrible things happen in my life. Like I went septic twice for my kidneys when I was a kid. I had kidney failure. So I'm functioning with half a kidney. Um, I had diverticulitis, uh, what was it, about three and a half, almost four years ago now, and I went septic. I almost had resection of my colon. So I was in the hospital over a week for that. Um, And what was the other thing? I'm like, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, I lost my gallbladder. So it's like I had gallbladder failure, and they just took it out. But it's like, you know, once you have so many things happen to you in life, you're just kind of like, mm, if I die, I die. True. You know, hopefully I don't die young because I have, I still have, a, you know, young kids and I want to take care of them and make sure they're okay, <laughs> you know, before I go, hopefully in their 50s or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just basically the best chance of survival is taking care of yourself, eating healthy, exercising, getting fresh air, getting your vitamin D. You need sunshine. And we're just not getting that. So many people are like stuck in their houses afraid that they're not getting the proper amount of vitamin D or anything. So sure. it, it's there, there's so many options here to not be afraid and not be scared. And you know what? If you want the vaccine, get the vaccine. I'm not judging you if you get the vaccine, but, you know, don't hate on people who don't want that vaccine. Go go outside, take your pants off and sun your butthole. Okay. You're going to get better. I promise. (laughs) Or just tilt your head up to the sun. I mean, that's another option. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You know, they say there's, they say there's uh you, 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 you bring in more vitamin D through the butthole somehow. I don't know. I don't know. These weird yoga crunchy moms, you know, they swear by it. So sun your butthole. Get all the D, get all the vitamin D you need. Uh, now that we're getting close to the end of the the public stream, I know you have a time crunch, so we're going to get into this members only stream where we're going to uh, I'm going to make you talk about all of the best experiences you have with people from the Mises Institute because that just sounds fun to me. Or maybe on the Rumpel, I'm sure you've got some great stories. Um, but before we before we close out the public stream, uh, can you tell my followers where they can follow you, how they can support you, watch you, listen to you, all that great stuff? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at ChuchaChicka1. Um, I'm also on tic, uh, TikTok at the same handle. Um, and also on my Twitter, if you wanted to support, I have a PayPal link in my bio. Um, and also you can actually find, I have articles on Mises.org as well. If you Google my name, you can find my articles. Some of them are oldish. I haven't been able to write as much as I want to um, because, you know, I have three kids and I homeschool them. So I'm trying to get back into that, but I have to figure out other things, uh, get other things done first, but uh, I'm hoping more articles come out at the end of this year. So sure. And that's it. Yeah. And you're a great, uh, I, I know you're a great mom, by the way, cause I, I always see your updates about your oldest son, who's just doing all kinds of awesome shit all the time. And, uh, yeah, my, my oldest son, oh my God, the kid's awesome. Like, okay, now, now I'm going to tell you a quick story. Can we, do we have time for a quick yeah, story? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was a teenage mother. I was, um, it was on my 19th birthday when I found out I was pregnant with my son. So I was actually pregnant at 18, but I found out at 19. And I actually had, you know, closest friends of mine say I should get an abortion because I'm too young to have a baby. And I didn't. And I am so happy I did it. You know, it didn't even cross my mind. It was more like 
I was protective of my baby. I remember grabbing my stomach and just, you know, looking with crazed eyes at these people, uh, you know, like, don't come by me. Um, and so my son and I, we, we've been through a lot over the years and he's just turned into this wonderful human and I, I can't be more proud of my son. And it does terrify me a little bit that my son is going into this world of like hating on, you know, boy, white boys and men. So I'm, I'm kind of protective of him, but at the same time, I want to push him out there and see what he can do. And he's just astounded me every step of the way. I mean, he is about to graduate uh, high school. He's going to college early. He's writing a novel. He can hunt. He's in, you know, several air patrol and he's doing all of these wonderful, beautiful things that, you know, even I, you know, I, I doubted when I was a young, True. if I could be a good mom, because I was a teenager, but you know, for all the young moms out there and everything and all just regular, you know, moms, you guys will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing okay. about your oldest son Especially is that, you. yeah, yeah. Our life's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy having seven kids and, and the thought of maybe another one on the way would just be wild, very wild. Um, but I think my favorite thing about your oldest son is the fact that he doesn't like uh, cupcakes. So you made him like, what were those meatballs or something? <laughs> no, it was chicken wings. Chicken okay, wings. Okay, so every That's every year for his birthday, he just turned 15. So every year for his birthday, since he was about 10, he, he hated cake. And he always hated cake. And I was like, uh, well, what do you want? You know, and but at, at 10 years old, he was like, I want chicken wings for my birthday. I don't want cake. So, uh, you know, it's tradition for us to go to like every chicken wing place in our local area and pick up like 10 wings and just have like a chicken taste off. It sounds strange, and no, I just doesn't. put a candle in the chicken, and I just let him go. I mean, the kid loves meat, so I try to encourage it. I, does I mean, not sound weird at all. I envy that. That's a wonderful birthday. <laughs> I couldn't imagine better. Listen, chicken wings one of my favorite foods in the world. Okay, so my daughter, my daughter gets steak on her birthday. That's her favorite food. So nice, nice. Yeah, that 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 is definitely um, me. I don't know. I don't get any. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my kids all made me a cake. Of course, my my fiance. Anytime we make any uh, uh, sweets, it's always gluten free. She's got she's got ce celiacs real bad, and and uh, so I've been eating a lot more meat, yeah. and that uh, it's been helping. It's been making me feel better too. Like I have more more energy now. Yeah. And she would live off of straight meat if if she could. She would just just yeah. when it, when I met her, that's all that's all she was eating steak and stuff. I was like, you got to get some veggies in there, sweetie. You got to get a couple veggies every once in a while. <laughs> Once in a while, yeah, have some, have some, have some corn in an in, inappropriate way. Yeah, we live in Iowa. She and when she was pregnant uh, was during during the Iowa sweet corn season. And there's a there's actually a really good barbecue spot here in uh, Pleasant Hill, uh, Oregon or Iowa. I said, did I say Oregon? Uh, Iowa, and uh, it's called Rolling Smoke. And they're like a little mom and pop spot. And I'm I'm one of those people that like everywhere I go, I try to find the best barbecue because I'm a barbecue like fanatic. I do that too. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like it's I very. Very important to me. I visited Auburn, Alabama this year um, because you know that's where the Mises Institute right. is. So occasionally I'll go down and say hi to them. And uh, Mike and Ed's barbecue was gone, and I was so sad because I don't know if you've ever had Brunswick's too, but oh, I yeah. love Brunswick's. Yeah, it's too. a big. That's a big thing in in Georgia too. The Brunswick's too, and I actually I love Brunswick's too. I went to the uh, Georgia State libertarian convention last year and i have family that lives in georgia i was talking about earlier when i flew to live with them for a little bit when i was 10 and um they came and met up with me because there it was just about 40 minutes outside of atlanta and they weren't far and so we went to this little barbecue spot kind of in the middle of nowhere in this little downtown area and it was like 
some of the best barbecue I'd ever had. And it was in Georgia. And I didn't really think of Georgia as like a barbecue state, but they had Brunswick stew and I had never tried it before. And I had it and I, I loved it. Uh, all my family that lives in, in Georgia was like, Oh God, we hate that stuff. We don't eat it. But, uh, it was really good. Like I really liked it. Um, but my favorite barbecue stands to, to is all in Missouri. It stands that way. Missouri has the best barbecue. Uh, North Carolina's up there. Tennessee is up there. Uh, Texas, not even close. Sorry, guys. I know everyone hates my, my takes on Texas barbecue, but you guys do you do brisket okay. But the rest of it, the ribs I, I are I really horrible. visited Texas once, so, and I, oh. have, I didn't try their barbecue. I need to go back down. Great chicken wings. Um, great chicken wings in Texas. Yeah. They got great chicken wings, but their barbecue is just not my thing, man. I don't like it. Do you know, I got lost in Georgia once. I was taking my kids to go see Stone Mountain. I, I don't know if you've ever been, but I love Stone Mountain. But I, I got lost on the back roads, and I found this peach stand, and it, they had the best peach ice cream I've ever tried in my life. Well, I mean, peaches, this was, this peaches like come from, from Georgia. Ago, they come from Georgia. I know. I loved it. And, and that was, like, my best experience. So sometimes getting lost and finding, like, the backwoods place is – one of the best things you can do in your life. Ah, uh, Drew Hancock's you know? in the chat. That's this is how we call Drew. This is how I make Drew Hancock to, uh, chat in the YouTube show. I just talk about Missouri barbecue, and then he pops up. And he's <laughs> like, "You're goddamn right." Kansas City was is the is the in my opinion. I've ne- I've only had St. Louis ribs. The ribs in St. Louis are really good, but the the slathered K- Kansas City style ribs are just the best rib. I mean, the best ribs in the whole world of all time, ever. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Natalie, I'm going to end this show so that we can get uh, we can get into the members only stream, and you can give me some stories about Mises Institute uh, fellows and all the great people that you met. If you could just give me like two minutes to shut it out, I would appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Bye. Th- thank you. All right, guys, another awesome show. Break the cycle. Natalie is so awesome. Definitely go follow her. She's got some really base takes on Twitter, uh, and she does a lot of really cool things and posts family stuff like I do sometimes. Wholesome, wholesome family stuff. You guys, half of you guys only follow me for the, the wholesome family stuff, I'm sure. Uh, but let's check out some sponsors, guys. Please go check out toplopsa.com. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle. Uh, I think we're going to start doing more regular shows, Top Lopsa and I together. He's going to be like my, my Robbie the Fire Bernstein, um, I think. Uh, hopefully he has some time for that, but I'm really excited about that because we always have a good energy together. But go check out his store, man. He's got great, great gear. Some of the best out there, uh, and you can get a 10% discount by by using BTC at checkout. Or join the Patreon, subscribe star, become a member of the uh, YouTube channel here, and you get into a private Discord server where you get all of his new gear up to two weeks early at like a 30% discount. It's really worth it. Like, honestly, if you're one of the smaller tiers supporting Break the Cycle, you get that discount. If you're buying Top Lobster stuff, it really pays for itself. So um, go check it out if you can. And, of course, Anthem Planning, uh, executive producers of the show for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home or personal life. These people are doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Guys, coming up on the show tomorrow, my good friend Dave Casey from Dave vs. Goliath returns to the show. I'm very excited. Uh, he is Mr. Conspiracy Theory. I love him to death. Uh, he This will be his third time being on the show, so um, definitely check that out. On Thursday, this crazy ass-eating trucker, Quincy, is going to be on my show. I'm super excited. He has told me that he is not going to hold back whatsoever. It's going to be wild. I promise you, definitely going to want to check that out. And then Friday's show, Scott Horton and Michael Bolden on the same podcast. Mm, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. I'm so excited. Uh, I I don't know what made me think in my head that those two gentlemen needed to be on the same podcast, but I know I was right, and it's going to be fun. You're not going to want to miss that show. Guys, I will see you tomorrow for the show with my friend Dave Casey. But until then, 
Don't forget to break the cycle. to explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the personal frame but i just landed in minecraft the helicopter part was in reference to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just landed in minecraft what chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There's nothing I mean, you know it The product finished, cause you're close to COVID 